Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to talk to your word and to learn your word. I pray that you would just open the ears of the hearers and their understanding heart to receive from you. Father, we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last week we began a series on, uh, and it's not going to be a real long series, just kind of a short series, but we began a series called Learning from the Prayers of Jesus. We talked some about his prayer life last week. We talked about how that Jesus had times where he prayed alone. We talked about how that he had times where he prayed in front of multitudes. We talked about where he had times where he prayed with authority, times when he was in worship, times when he was in surrender. We talked about that. Then we talked about the Lord's, what people call the Lord's Prayer. So we talked about it. We kind of broke it down a little bit. We began uh, to understand it more. Today, and and I told you last week, I said this week, I said I'm going to be uh, talking more about some of the prayers that Jesus prayed. So I've picked three prayers that Jesus prayed, and we're going to begin today in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22, where Jesus prayed, the Bible said Jesus prayed, at his baptism. Let's read it. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized, look at this, and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended, now look at this in verse in, in Luke now. Luke's account literally says that the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove. Upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Now, I think it's important that this, for us to recognize that this is when Jesus began his public ministry. Every great ministry, there's a lot of people that have ministries, but every great ministry that I've ever come in contact with throughout the years that I've been in the ministry are ministries that were birthed in prayer, and listen, and they are continually bathed in prayer. Prayer is a necessary, some people call ingredient, but prayer is a necessary practice. Every single one of us should have a prayer life. You say, well, I don't know what my ministry is. It's prayer. That's what your ministry is. Everything else comes from the lifestyle of prayer. And Jesus knew this. So he began his ministry with prayer at his baptism. Now listen, the Bible said that he was praying while he was baptized. And the Bible specifically says that the heavens were open. Did you know that you can live under an open heaven? Every single one of us can live under an open heaven. In fact, we're believing God that this church is under an open heaven. I'm praying and believing God that you are living under an open heaven in your home, on your property, in your business, wherever you are, that you are living under an open heaven. There are many places in the scripture where the Bible talks about the heavens opening or an open heaven. So that tells us that there is access to a realm, listen to me, beyond what we can see. Some people have called it the fourth dimension of power. Some people call it where God dwells, all of that. But we have access through prayer 
And in Malachi, through our giving, we have access, and that's in the financial area, but there's other areas. We have access to a realm that we cannot see through prayer. And so Jesus was baptized and he was praying and the Bible said that the heavens opened and then the Bible says that the spirit descended in a bodily shape like a dove. Now that's Luke's account, the bodily shape like a dove. In the book of Matthew, the Bible said that the spirit actually descended like a dove. Matthew was an eyewitness account. That's why Matthew is probably the most important book of the New Testament. Matthew's gospel is different than Mark, Luke, and John in that Matthew was actually an eyewitness account. He wrote what he had seen. The rest of them wrote what they had seen and heard, but Matthew wrote everything that he had seen. And so Matthew was really the first book that the New Testament church had post-law, beyond the law. And so Matthew was writing, he said, he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove. Now let's talk about how a dove descends. Do we have any duck hunters in the place? Do we have any dove hunters in the place? I meant to say dove. There's a difference between a duck and a dove. Okay, when a dove is coming down and a dove is descending, a dove just shoots straight down very quickly. When it gets to the ground, it'll go like that and pop back up. It doesn't like come in for that nice 747 landing that some of them do. No, a dove goes just like that. So when the Holy Spirit, when the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape like a dove, and in Matthew the Bible said descended like a dove, then that means the Holy Spirit fell out of heaven onto the head of Jesus and came inside of him. Now we go on in the scripture, and the Bible said in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we find out where the Holy Spirit came corporately. And we see that same activity kind of taking place where the Bible said they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. What was the rushing mighty wind? It was the sound of the dove. The Holy Spirit came. Now, how do you know that? Because the Bible says later on in Scripture, in Acts, the Bible said that as Peter was preaching that the Holy Ghost, listen to the terminology, would fall on everyone that heard the word. Didn't talk about just feel, it talked about fall upon them. Let me tell you something this morning. When we live under an open heaven because of our prayer life, when we live under an open heaven, we can experience the Holy Ghost falling on us, and we can sense the impact of it in our spirit. The Holy Ghost will not fall on you and you not experience any type of an impact. Some people, you know, they oh, well, praise God, I'm going to speak in these pretty tongues. When the Holy Ghost comes on you, it's a wham. I've seen it happen before. I was in Jamaica, Linstead, St. Catherine, Jamaica, first time I was ever in Jamaica in 1985. I was preaching there for a church of God pastor. And I had went over there and the power of God was so strong. And we had people, there's about 300 people that was in the altar area there. And they'd come to give their life to the Lord and to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm praying and I said, Lord, let the Holy Ghost fall on them right now in the name of Jesus. And I heard God say to me, he said, now step back and watch this. So I did, I stepped back and over here, it was like there was a, a, a drip of water just went, 
and there was one person that just started speaking in tongues and you could see the Holy Ghost fall on them and then all of a sudden those around them just it's like it splashed off and then at different spots in that crowd that was happening pow 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 when the Bible said that the Holy Ghost fell on all of them that heard the word I've experienced that I've seen it I've seen the impact You see, well, pastor, why are you talking about that? Because the modern American church has gotten away from the impact of the Holy Ghost. It's almost like we're afraid to let God move. I don't want to shout. I'm afraid that what people's going to think about me. Who gives a flying pancake what people think about you? Man, if God wants to shake you, if God wants to quake you, if God wants to move you, let him shake you, let him quake you, let him move you. He just might shake that out of you. Hallelujah. The Lord will never shake you without purpose. The Lord will never move upon you without purpose. God has a purpose for moving upon you. So I'm saying, God, let us live under an open heaven, a place where at any moment, at any time, without warning, the Holy Ghost can just fall. Boom. Hallelujah. All right. How many of you will say, I'm ready? Now, look what's happened here. The Bible said that after after that happened, then God spoke. God spoke. After the Holy Ghost fell, God spoke. I wish God would speak to me, but you're afraid to let the Holy Ghost fall on you. You're Concerned about what people are going to think, what they're going to say. That's nonsense. Don't worry about it. You know what? Last December, I hit 50. I stood in this pulpit, and I told y'all I don't care no more. I hit 50. I have the right to just say. (laughs) And so when them thoughts come into my mind now, I'm just like. (laughs) I just don't care. If God wants to shout me, I'll just shout. I don't care. It doesn't matter. The Holy Ghost needs to move. So after the Holy Ghost moved, God spoke. And what did God say? This is very significant. Now notice, none of this would have happened had Jesus not prayed. Now God spoke, and he said, this is my beloved son. Prayer and the move of the Spirit always brings a fresh revelation of Jesus. Think about that. I want to know Jesus more. I want to know God more. Then pray more. Then pray more. Spend more time with the Lord. And he said, this is my beloved son. And then he said something else. He said, and by the way, I'm pleased with him. I'm proud of him. And I'm pleased with him. And I think if God's pleased with him, we ought to listen to him. So that's the first prayer I wanted to talk to you about today. The second prayer I want to talk to you about is the prayer that Jesus prayed before feeding the 5,000. And we find this in Luke chapter 9. Somebody say Luke 9. See, you're listening. Some of you are. Luke 9, 16 through 17. The Bible said, And Jesus took five loaves and two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and brake and gave the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat and were all filled, and there was taken up of the fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. Now the prayer was the blessing. I want you to understand something. God is a God of order. He said, God's, Jesus was like, I want to work a miracle here, but there's something that needs to happen first. This crowd is chaotic. We've got to get some order. And so he set them down in companies 
of 50. That would have, been, that would have meant he would have split this crowd up in probably three different sections, maybe four this morning. And he had the disciples set them down in companies of 50. And when order was established, then Jesus began to pray. And there's a divine order that he, that he used. First of all, the Bible said that he blessed. What did he bless? He blessed the five loaves and the two fishes. And I think he also blessed the company of 5,000 men. So he blessed the five loaves and the two fishes. And then after he blessed them, he broke. He broke. Wait a minute. I've got the blessing of God upon my life. Why am I experiencing the breaking? So many times people equate the blessing of God with the endorsement of God on what they're doing. Why don't they equate the breaking that takes place sometimes? The Bible said that he's close to those who have a broken and a contrite spirit. Why does God break? Why does God allow the breaking sometimes? I think the reason that God allows the breaking is so the junk that's in us that needs to get out can get out so he can heal us back up and fill us with what we need to be full of. Because frankly, some of us are full of doubt and some of us are full of unbelief and some of us have a critical spirit and some of us like to gossip and and God's like, I can't use people like that. You know, we've had small groups at different times in this church. And I'm not a real big fan of them anymore for this church. And I'll tell you why. They call them Bible studies, but they turn into gossip sessions. And I have watched people who love and adore this church, start attending a a Bible study or a gossip session or a small group or a gossip session and all of a sudden, within a month, they don't like the church anymore. Do you think God's pleased with that? No, no, no. Sometimes sometimes we just need to say, Lord, we we need divine order. Jesus blessed, Jesus broke. Sometimes things need to be broken. Sometimes things need to be broken so those spirits can get out of us that's not supposed to be there, okay? Jesus gave to others, and then the Bible said Jesus blessed, Jesus break, and Jesus gave. Jesus gave to others, listen to me very closely, Jesus gave to others so that they could give to others. That's what he said. The Bible said they were filled. The Bible said this, he blessed, he broke, and gave to the disciples for the purpose of setting them before a multitude. Setting it before the multitude. So the disciples received the blessing and they took the blessing and they set it before the multitude. God will give it to you if he can get it through you. I want God to bless me. I want God to bless me. I want God to bless me. Quit praying like that. Here's how you pray instead. Lord, I want to be a blessing. Lord, I want to be a blessing. Lord, I want... Abraham wasn't blessed to be a blessing. Abraham was a blessing because he was blessed. Totally different thing going on there. And so he gave it to the disciples who then set it before the multitude. Now notice, Jesus broke it and gave to 12. They took it and gave it to 5,000. There is a continual multiplication that takes place the more we sow, the more that we give. And so they gave it. And then look what happened. The Bible said at the end there were 12 baskets full that remained that was taken up. Now, 
This reminds me of a couple of scriptures. Isaiah 55, 9 through 11 says this. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, listen, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of thy mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Remember last week when I told you the problem's not in the seed because the seed knows what to do. Remember me telling you that? Well, what we've got to do is we have to take the seed that God gives us and we have to plant it in the soil that will produce. And so the Bible said he gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater, just like Jesus gave the disciples to give to the 5,000. And then there were 12 disciples, so there were 12 baskets that remained. God left enough for them too. Did you ever think about that? Okay, that's why I'm here. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses... The same commit thou to faithful men. Now listen, who shall teach others also? It is not just our responsibility to teach and preach and communicate the word of God. It's our responsibility to teach, preach, communicate the word of God to others who will teach and preach and communicate the word of God to people who will teach and preach and communicate the word of God to people who will teach and preach. Are you getting the picture? See, and so this is what the Word of God is teaching us. Now, none of this would have happened if Jesus had not prayed. If he had not blessed it, none of it would have happened. Now, there's a couple of things I want to point out. In order for those 5,000 men to receive the benefit of the fish and the loaves, they had to eat it. They had to eat it. Receiving requires activity. You've heard a lot about sowing. I mean, you turn Christian television on, that's all you hear. Sow your seed, give. Sow your seed, give. Sow your seed, give. Sow your seed, give. God will bless you. 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 When's the last time you heard, here's how you reap. Here's how you reap. Here's how you reap. Here's how, this is what you, go ahead and sow, but this is how you reap. This is how you reap. The church has done a fantastic job teaching people about sowing, but they have been poorly teaching people how to reap. There are, there are people in this congregation, and I'm one of them, there are people in this congregation who have sown their life's work for years and years and years, and your mentality is, one day I will receive. Well, what about today being one day? What about saying, okay, it's my time to receive. Now, Lord, whatever you give me, you know I'm going to continue to sow. But, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that I'm beginning to reap right now in the name of Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with you saying, Lord, thank you. I, I, I receive riches. I receive my harvest. I receive it in the name of Jesus. God puts the fish and the loaves in the hands of the 5,000. What did they do? What if they would have just sat there and just looked at it? Would that have benefited them at all? That's what the church does. They just look at it. What am I supposed to do with this? 
You're supposed to enjoy it. I know some people think this is sacrilegious, but I'm going to say it anyway. Go buy a new car. You've been believing God for one. Don't finance it. I'm talking about when the harvest comes. Go buy, go buy a, a, a nice... There's nothing wrong with that. So the, the men didn't just look at it. They had to eat. They had to participate with God. Receiving requires activity. The Bible said they were filled. They were filled because they participated. Because they participated. And there were 12 baskets of leftovers that remained. Look at your neighbor and smile real big and say, eat till you're full. Come on. I can see it now. Some of y'all is going to go to lunch today and your spouse is going to look at you and say, are you eating all that? Well, pastor said eat till I'm full. And yes, ma'am, yes, sir, that's exactly what I said. You just eat until you're full. But do that spiritually too. Do it spiritually too. Learn to receive. Quit feeling bad when people want to give you the harvest that God. I had to overcome that. I grew up, you know, in a, and my mom and dad are here. My daddy worked extremely hard when we were growing up. He, he did the best that he could as a provider. But there were times when there just wasn't enough money left at the end of the month. And all of us have went through things like that, right? Times like that. And, and sometimes there's, there's lean times. We got to learn how to receive. So because I kind of grew up like that, it was hard for me when people would come to me and say, you know, I just want to bless you. I want to give this to you. I want to, you know, and finally the Lord helped me one day. I was pastoring my first church in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and the Lord spoke to me and I was praying and I was saying, Lord, I just want you to bless us. I'm just asking you to bless us. And it's like the Lord spoke to me and he said, right in here, you know, not here, but here. He said, you know, I've been trying, but you keep turning it down. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he started taking me through the different people in the congregation that had been coming to us, trying to bless us. And I had been like, oh, no, no, I, because I knew where they were coming from. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I know, you know, you really need that and all that kind of stuff. We'll just, and all of, I, sh I shouldn't have done that. Finally, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm trying to bless you, bless them by, by them trying to bless you. And, you know, that's how it works. But you're stopping the blessing all the way around because of your pride. The Lord set me free. Anybody want to give me a new car today? I receive it in the name of Jesus. Because it's like Paul. I receive not because I want to receive from you, but I desire fruit that it may abound to your account. And if you love people, then you're going to receive when the Lord uses them to bless you. And as the Lord uses them to bless you, then you just bless them in the name of the Lord. How did you think the blessing was going to come anyway? Did, did you think you were going to wake up in the morning and all of a sudden there's going to be a mountain of money on the coffee table in the living room? I mean, that would be wonderful and that would be great. But the Bible said that it's men that's going to give money into your bosom. The Bible said there was a group of women that followed Jesus around and financed his ministry. Widows. Yes, you are. Amen. You know... I just try to get you to think about things like this because I think, you know, maybe you'll get a little nugget that'll just set you free because religion 
has messed the church up so bad. And it's messed us up as Christians. It's messed us up so bad. Just because so-and-so said it doesn't mean it's... If it's in the, listen, I'm going to say it again. If they would not have ate, they would not have been filled. They had to participate. And God has a system. He has a kingdom, a system and ways of doing things. Part of that is giving, but the church needs to learn the other part, and that's the receiving part. And if God's going to make us a wealthy church, and if God's going to make you a wealthy house, you're going to have to learn to receive. Amen? Hallelujah. The last prayer that I want to talk about today, starting to run out of time, is in Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. And this is where Jesus prayed on the mountain of transfiguration. Now, mountain symbolizes places where we can draw away from everyone and everything. It's places of solitude. And sometimes we need to find a quiet place just so we can hear God, especially in today's world. I'm going to give you a modern, in fact, the word modern is kind of old anymore, but I'm going to give you an up-to-date modern piece of advice. When you pull yourself away to pray and spend time with God, for goodness sakes, leave your phone alone. Well, you know, I, I like that Bible app. I can just read the scripture right off of my phone. Yes, and you can play Word Crossy, and you can play golf, and you can play Angry Birds, and you can text people, and you can check your Facebook status, and you can go on Twitter and make a little tweet, 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 tweet. tweet. When I was growing up, the only thing that tweeted was birds, but you could tweet, 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 tweet. And, and listen, it'll happen. It'll happen. Those of you that have smartphones, That'll happen. Well, I'm going to go spend some time with the Lord in prayer. And if the Lord gives me something, I'm just going to post it. (laughs) Write it down on a piece of paper with a pencil and post it later. Because a lot of times, God may give you a little something and he's got more to give you, but you're so busy posting that little thing that the Lord just gave you right now that you're going to miss the rest of what God wants to give you. I'm just trying, come on, I'm trying to help you out here just a little bit. So here's what the scriptures say. The Bible said that Jesus went up into the Mount of Transfiguration. And there were times when Jesus would pull himself away to the mountain to pray. There is something holy about solitude. David said it like this. He said, I will look unto the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And that's in Psalms 1, 21. Now listen, the Bible says here in Luke chapter 9, as Jesus prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. And his raiment became white. And the word here is glistering, not glistening, but glistering. And so here Jesus is, and he's praying in the Mount of Transfiguration. You got Peter, James, and John up there, and all of a sudden they look up there, and Jesus, his his countenance is altered. He's shining. The Bible said 
in the Old Testament from the brightness before God were coals of fire kindled. What happened? He entered into the throne room because through prayer, he got himself under an open heaven. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elias came down and descended and talked. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to notice about this prayer. Number one, prayer will change you. The Bible said that his countenance was altered. Prayer will change you. You don't like how you are? Then pray. You might be really satisfied with the way you are, but God may need to change you anyway, so go ahead and pray. And sometimes there's times I'll pray and I'll say, Lord, show me things about myself that others see that I don't see. I don't pray that very often. <laughs> but, but I do. So prayer changes you. That's number one. And number two, the Bible said that his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistering. Prayer will change the way people see you. Peter, James, and John, all of a sudden, notice, and Peter, you know, Mr. Peter opened the mouth, insert the foot all the way up to the knee. Peter, you know, the one that cut the ear off of Peter, Peter, okay? Peter, I, I think I'm related to him. Peter, Peter, Peter says, oh, let us build her three tabernacles, one for Moses and one for Elias and one for you. All of a sudden, he's getting all spiritual and everything, and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. But the point is, Peter was so moved by what he saw. Now, I want to ask you this question. How come Peter didn't come up with that idea when they were climbing the mountain? How come he didn't come up with that idea earlier in the ministry of Jesus when he was following him around and taking care of ministry things and ministry business? How come Peter didn't? You know why? Because he had never seen Jesus like that before. Prayer changes the way people see you. Prayer changes you, and prayer changes the way that people see you. If you want God to change your situation, then let him change you. And when others see him changing you, they will get involved in what God is doing in you and through you and around you. Hallelujah. The mountain transfiguration. Now, they also heard something there, and I want to point it out. I'm bringing this in for a landing, but I wanted to point it out. Verse 31, here's what the scriptures say. The Bible said that Peter, James, and John heard the conversation that was taking place there. I want you to listen to the wording of verse number 31. One, Jesus spoke with Moses and Elias about his decease. Now listen to this, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Don't tell me that they killed Jesus because they chased him down and caught him. His death on Calvary was planned. He was the lamb that would be slain from the foundation of the world that would redeem lost humanity for eternity. And he was talking to Moses and Elias about his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. I think in his mind, he fast forwarded to, it is finished. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm. Glory to God. 
Now, later on, on the Mount of Olives, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 39, Jesus prayed a prayer. I, I shared it with you on Easter and on Palm Sunday. He prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And I shared with you that that would have more correctly been translated, not let this cup pass from me, but let this cup pass through me. That solidifies the Mount of Transfiguration, the conversation that was taking place between Jesus and Moses and Elias when they talked about his decease that he would, quote, accomplish, unquote, at Jerusalem. Folks, Jesus offered himself. He offered himself up. He offered himself up to you. He offered himself up to me. We see this because of prayer. He was praying on the Mount of Transfiguration, which brought about the change of his countenance and the change of his raiment and, and under the open heaven. And, and the result of it was the conversation that Peter, James, and John heard about Jesus accomplishing his death at Jerusalem. And then we go to the Mount of, uh, to the Mount of Olives where Jesus is praying, let this cup pass through me. What was he doing? He was praying. We would have never seen that had we not been looking at his prayer. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes the way people see us. And then last of all, prayer changes things. It changes our environment. It doesn't just change us, and it doesn't just change the way people see us, but it'll change that situation that you're in. It'll change that circumstance that you're facing. I want to ask you this question. Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? Look at this. Verses 34 and 35. God speaks out of the cloud of his glory there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And there's something he says here. He says, the same thing that he said at the baptism of Jesus. So we see the beginning of his public ministry. Then we see Jesus discussing the end of his public ministry. And, and, and God says the same thing. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's what he said at his baptism on the Mount of Transfiguration toward the end. He added one more thing. He said, listen to him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. In other words, listen to him. Prayer is not a multitude of words. It is a conversation between us and God whereby we speak and then we stop and listen while he speaks. It's a conversation. Jesus was talking to his heavenly father. And then he was groaning. Why was he groaning? Because he was hearing what God was saying. The experience would have never taken place without prayer. There's so many advantages to an active prayer life. Sandy um, and her late husband, Dick, put together a prayer book 
and they've given away like four million of them or something like that. Over four million now around the world. And you can pick it, you can actually get the app for free, can't can't they? What's it? Just prayer book app? Prayers. Go on your uh, Apple iTunes or you know, those of you that have Droid. Get your app and just look for prayers and download it for free. Right? Download it. Yeah, for free. It's free. And it's just a list of prayers. It's prayer guides for different things. I've got one of them back here in the prayer room. Every now and then when I'm back there praying before service, I'll pick it up and just leaf through it and look at it. I picked it up last Sunday and was looking at it. And I had Sophia on my lap and she wanted it. So I let her see it. And my son walked in and he said, Dad, look at the back cover of that book. I said, oh, yeah. And so I turned it around, and it says, a child's prayer. Spend some time in prayer. What are we missing if we don't have a consistent, active prayer life? What is God trying to say to us that we're not hearing because we won't pray? You think about that. So I told you a few weeks ago that I no longer see you as an audience. I see you as an army. So my charge to you today is this. This week, last week I asked you to take 15 minutes a day and pray. This week, I want you to take 15 minutes three times a day. You choose the three times a day and pray. This church is going to start praying again. I know we pray some, but we don't pray like we should. We should learn from the prayers of Jesus. You say, well, how do I know when I'm through praying? When you feel him changing you. When you feel him changing you. What is the acronym for prayer? ACTS. Remember? Some of you that's been on Wednesday night, we keep repeating it over and over. The acronym for prayer is ACTS, A, Adoration, C, Confession, Confess the Word of God over your life, T, Thanksgiving, and S, Supplication. Supplication is let your request be made known unto God. You say, how do I pray? That's how you do it. You start out with adoring him. Lord, we adore you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we're so proud to be called your kids. You're such a wonderful heavenly father. You are amazing. You are are majestic. And then you begin to confess the word of God. That's C. You just confess the word. Lord, I may not understand what's going on, but I'm going to confess your word, Lord. I thank you, Lord. And you just start confessing the word of God, whatever your situation is. You just start confessing the word of God over that. And then you begin to thank him. You notice you went from adoration to confession of the word to thanksgiving. And then you just continue to thank him. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I give you praise. I thank you for the life that you have given me. I thank you that you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I thank you that you never leave me, that you never forsake me, that you're with me in the good times and in the bad times, in the tough times and the not so tough times. God, I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for it. I needed God's help 
last night. The hardest dance I've ever danced in my life was butterfly kisses with my beautiful bride daughter. She kept patting me. Are you okay, Daddy? Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. So I'm thinking if I shut my eyes, it'll help. So I shut my eyes a little bit. Didn't help. Then she did something that was cruel. She kissed me on the cheek. <laughs> but I found myself this morning saying, God, she's serving you. She loves you. Thank you. Thank you. And then the supplication part is God killing. No, I'm teasing. No, the supplication part was God bless them. Take care of them. Guide them. Direct them. Because we know there are, there's a road ahead. That's how you pray. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Say it with me. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving. Come on, let's say it again. We're going to say it two more times. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. One more time. That's how you pray. That's how you pray. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.